name of the series is called Reaching Your Maximum Potential. And uh, I'm not sure how long this will go. It doesn't matter because every week it's really kind of been a different message anyway. So, Father, we thank you today for the Word of the living God. We ask you, Father God, we know that the Word of God is already anointed. But we ask you to anoint us with fresh oil like David prayed. Anoint us with fresh oil from heaven today, Father. Anoint our ears to hear. Anoint our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. You believe that? We, uh, let me just review just a couple of things we've talked about thus far. And, and by the way, there are CDs back there from the last five, ser- five or six services back there. So if you were not here, I really encourage you to get those tapes, or not tapes, but CDs back there. Or you can just go on our website and download them and, and catch you up to date. Because I'll tell you, there's some really important stuff that we shared and uh, so we, we're covering some practical uh, steps about how to maximize your potential as a believer. And we talk first and foremost, number one is ask God for daily wisdom. Okay, we talked about that. You can ask, Father, fill me with wisdom. Number two, we said, we talked about recognizing the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, and we talked about how that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God, your body is literally the temple of God and, and how to flow with that. Okay? The third third thing we talked about about reaching your maximum potential is to see yourself as God sees you. See yourself as God sees you. Number four, we talked about keeping fear out of your life. Now notice I didn't say keep fear at bay, but keeping fear out of your life. God works through faith. The devil works through fear. It's a reciprocal just like south is the reciprocal for north, okay? And fear is just faith in what the devil can do to hurt or destroy, okay? But keeping fear out of your life, we talked about that. And then last week, we talked about having a positive expectation for your future, having a positive expectation for your future. And I I knew kind of last week that I wouldn't finish this, that because it's just, there's more sermon than there is time. <laughs> Amen. So uh, we're going to pick that up here again today. But, you know, the Bible talks about, uh, the, uses the word evil foreboding. You ever hear that phrase before, evil foreboding? And, uh, you know, maybe you don't use that terminology. Most of us don't talk like that. But basically what that means is having a, uh, a negative outlook towards the future. Amen. Being a pessimist, not an optimist. Okay, Now, one thing about God, He's a very positive God. I make no mistake about it. He, do, he knows He can do it because He's God. Amen? You're never going to baffle Him with a question or bring a problem to Him where He says, you know, I don't know, we didn't figure that out yet. And put you on pause. Okay? God has it all figured out already. He knows how to fix every problem that you and I could ever face in this life. And it's time that we start acting like that. Amen? I've had the Lord tell me, it just revealed, it ministered to me at times. He says, Keith, do you believe I'm, I'm as powerful as my word says? Well, yes, Lord. He goes, well, it's time to start acting like it. Amen. Amen. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, it's time to start acting like he is a big God. And by the way, we act sometimes, Christians act sometimes, we act like he doesn't exist, like he's so weak. But God is powerful. Amen. He is. And so in Psalm 62, let's look at verse 5 and 6. 
And so we're talking about this, have a positive expectation for the future. David said, my soul, wait thou upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Notice that phrase. I'm going to wait on you, Lord, because my expectation is on Him. Then verse 6 says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Amen. Now we made mention of the fact last week, and, and I talk about this quite frequently, because I think the Lord wants, I kind of think the Lord wants to emphasize it. Because it's just that important. God is very, very positive. And when you, when you go to Him, He is the most positive being. He's the most winsome personality that you could ever come across because of who He is. And so you're never going to go to Him and He's going ha- to be in a down mood or anything. God is always up. He's always on top of things. And when you hang out with Him. Now, when I was growing up as a young child, and I thank God my parents, they disciplined me. You know what I mean? And they, they said, they told me what was right. They told me what was wrong. You know what I mean? And they weren't even Christians when they were young, okay? And, uh, but there were certain people, for example, as a young kid growing up, that they wouldn't allow me to hang out with, okay? Because they saw things in those kids that could ultimately affect me, Okay? And so, in, in some cases, it was just like, well, I don't understand it, but, you know, I can't play with that kid down the street. You know what I'm saying? Then as I, as I matured and grew up, I began to realize, man, they're, their kids are like in jail, you know, and they're, you know, just all in a mess with the law and everything. You know what I'm saying? Because they, were never, they never grew up the right way. But who you hang out with, my point is this, who you hang out with, you become like. Okay. Make no mistake about it. who you hang out with, you will ultimately become like them. You will develop attitudes towards them. Hallelujah. Now, I say that to say this. Uh, when you hang out with God, which we're supposed to do, when you hang out with Him, His characteristics will rub off on you and you will start to think like Him, see like Him, believe like Him, and act like Him. Because it's no longer you that lives, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when, when you go into a situation, you're not just going in it by yourself. You're, you're, God is with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So always remember, God is extremely positive. He knows how to fix everything in your life. But we just have to go to Him. We have to go to Him, don't we? All right, now Psalm 27, real quickly go over there. I've got some territory I want to cover here. In Psalm 27, verse 13, David said this. He says, I would have fainted unless I would have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's paraphrase that. I, would, I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. I felt like caving in. But he says, I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, back in the uh, 40s and 50s, Brother Oral Roberts, you ever hear Oral Roberts before? You know, um, he, he kind of coined this statement, you know, and he got heavily persecuted for it at first. He said, something good is going to happen to you today. Anybody remember Oral Roberts doing that back in the day? And I mean, folks, not even sinners, but Christians, believe it or not, church folk, came out against that and said, he shouldn't be saying that something good is going to happen to you today. 
Well, it took several years to work through that stuff, you know, because most people believe back in those days that God was a, a bad God. He's ready. To, he was like a hitman, you know, like he worked for the mafia or something, you know. But but that's not God is a good God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When people they don't need the wrath of God, they need the goodness of God because when sinners and people that aren't walking with Christ, when they see how good God is, they're going to be like, I need that. Amen? I have witnessed that in my life. I've seen that happen with people that, that, that weren't even in a position, you know, walking with Christ, but they saw for healing examples and things like that. When so-and-so got healed, they said, man, this is, this is good. Hallelujah. And so, uh, now the message, I'll just, I'll just quote it to you because of time. The message in this says, I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Now that's where the scripture, Psalm 27, he says, I would have fainted. I would have given up. I would have quit unless I would have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We should have as believers, and this can be developed, by the way. It's not something that we're just, we're not born with it. We don't just wake up and everything's like, Wow, what a great day. The sun's out. You know what I'm saying? Most of us don't grow up that way, okay, for the most part. So we have to, we have to learn. We have to develop. And that's what, that's what Christianity is all about. It's about growing and maturing in the things of God. And we have to understand that uh, we have to have an expectation of something good, not something bad. Not like, you know, I just know this is the, I feel bad today. I feel like something bad's going to happen today. We shouldn't even be saying that kind of stuff Amen. as believers. We want to expect the goodness of God. Something good. I started saying that. Something good is going to happen to me today. Amen? Yeah. And as soon as you start believing that, things start to take place. Now, because of time, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. But last, last Sunday morning, we looked at the woman in Mark chapter 5 with the issue of blood. That she had a, uh, an incurable blood disease and so forth. And she was unable to get healed. You remember that? And... Uh, and the Bible says that, you know, she sought many physicians and she suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had. In other words, she, she, she exhausted her resources, her bank account, her savings account, <clears throat> because she had heard of different doctors, you know. And so she had a, a somewhat of a hope. Obviously, she wouldn't have gone to them, but it turned out to be false. And she, she went to the doctors, here's your money thinking that they could help her, and they couldn't. It says that she's, she, got, she got worse rather than better. Remember that? And so she was in a hopeless situation. This is a real woman that, that with a situation that happened 2,000 years ago. This is an actual person. You will meet them, her in heaven. Right? But the Bible says that in verse 27, when she heard of Jesus... When she heard of Jesus. Now we're talking about having a positive expectation. Now go over to uh, Mark chapter, let's see here. Uh, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you something here. Now we went into detail last week in Mark uh, chapter 5 about this woman. But Mark 5, 20... Uh, Seven, which I just which I just read, says, "When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, now the Amplified says she kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole.' Now, 
Where did she get that information? Where did she hear about that? Because up to this point, she hadn't heard that. But obviously, somebody communicated something to her that gave her a foundation for biblical reality hope. Now, she had hope in those doctors, but they couldn't do anything, right? They tr she tried, and they tried, and nothing seemed to work. It just got worse, okay? But in Matthew chapter four, 14, and verse 35, and verse 36 says, When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country and round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment for as many as touched uh, were made perfectly whole. Now isn't that something? So somehow this woman with the issue of blood, now we're talking about getting your expectation up, having a positive expectation. This time when she had heard of what Jesus was doing, this raised her expect expectation to a level where she's like, I just need to get where he was. Now we know the rest of the story, right? Like Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, right? And she found her way. She got there and she got to where Jesus was and she hoofed it, man. She didn't have Uber. She didn't have a cab to take, you know. She had to get on foot and, and go where he was. Well, you know what happened. You know the, the rest of the story. What happened is she touched the hem of his garment. Power came out of Jesus, you know, and she was perfectly made whole. And now she's standing in the reality of what she was hoping for. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and I'll just quote this because of time. The Bible says, now, now faith is the substance of things that you hope for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, in the court of law, if somebody has evidence of a crime, there's proof, okay? And sometimes there's, there's positive evidence, there's negative evidence, but in this case, faith is the substance of things, which the things that you hope for, and it is the evidence, Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The Word of God, which we talked about last week, is the only thing that can give you a positive, uh, true expectation of something that's not a false promise. I think sometimes the reason that a lot of people uh, have a hard time believing God's Word is because they've been surrounded by people that break their Word all the time. They say they're going to do something, they don't do it. And so, uh, yeah, they promised me this. That never happened, you know. And, and we're surrounded by that in the earth, right? But here's the thing. Well, we, we, we go over into the kingdom of God with Jesus, you know. We're, we're talking about the scripture that says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said, and shall he not make it good? Hath he not spoke it, shall he not bring it to pass? And the Bible says in Hebrews, it's impossible for God to lie that we can have a sure foundation. Our hope is anchored in that. Hallelujah. We're talking about a God that never lied once. And if he lied once, we'd have to throw the whole book out. Never has he lied one time, not one time, and he never will. Jesus said about himself, he says, I am the way, the truth. What's the opposite of truth? A lie. He didn't say, I am the way, a lie. He said, no, I'm the way and the truth and the life, because the truth is what leads to life. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? And so, uh, let's go over here to the uh, uh, book of Acts for a minute. I want to pick up here today in, in this particular chapter, in chapter 14. 
God will give you supernatural hope when there is no natural hope. Do you know that's the real reason why people, men and women, boys and girls, commit suicide? It's a terrible thing. It's horrific. Someone that is in that position has basically given up hope. They said, there's no help for me. I don't see my future. One that's just a big fat lie. How many of you know that? Like someone said, Brother Copeland used to say, don't, don't take your life, give it to Jesus. <laughs> and he'll do something with it. Amen? So, you know, all of us from time to time, we have situations that look, you know, kind of hopeless. You know, there are people that can't have children, you know, at least medical science has come along and said that, you know, it's impossible, you know, you're not going to have children. But then as they trusted the Lord, things began to take place. Hallelujah. But in Acts chapter 14, we see Paul and, and uh, uh, Barnabas were being persecuted uh, in the early church. And let's pick up in verse 6. Okay, it says, And when they were aware of it, they fled to Lystra, Derbe, and Lyconia, and to the region that lieth round about. Now, in other words, they went into Galatia. Galatia was made up of four regions, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Okay, that was the region of Galatia. Okay, so they, when they were aware of this, when they became aware of it, they fled, okay, to, to uh, get out of there. And then verse 7, it says, And there they, that's Paul and Barnabas, preached the gospel. Say gospel. Now, just in case you're not aware of the fact, now this, sometimes we think, every, assume that everybody knows this, but the word gospel simply means good news. Good news. Okay? When you're talking gospel, you're talking good news. When you talk about the good news, you're talking about the gospel. Some people have turned the good news into bad news, right? But the fact is, they went to this place and they preached the gospel. Glory be to God. And verse 8 says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. Everybody say hopeless. Okay, from the natural, this guy spent years on the earth after he was born, never took one baby step. Not one. Probably couldn't even crawl. But he just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Amen. How would you like to be under the Apostle Paul's ministry? Bless the Lord. You know, there's some, it's amazing to me how some people that were, had the opportunity back in Paul's day to sit under his ministry, but they despised him. They despised him. They thought, who is this joke? They even did that about Jesus. But you know what? And then in the future, they'll begin to realize, my God, what did I turn down? What did I reject? It didn't come in the package I thought it should come in. Okay? And so a lot of times we can turn things off when God's using something we don't even realize at the time. You know what I'm saying? But here's a guy that it was crippled from his mother's womb and he was sitting in Paul's meeting and he heard the gospel. In other words, the good news. Okay? And verse 9 says, The same, that's the crippled man, he heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, Paul perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on my feet. And he leaped and walked. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now I don't know. It could have been the first time. Now sometimes 
Dan touched on this a little bit this morning. Sometimes we think we've got to hear sermons over and over, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But let me tell you something. You can act on your faith the first time you hear the Word. You don't have to say, well, I've got to wait four years for this to manifest, you know. I've got to build my faith up for four more years. You can hear something for the very first time and say, I believe that. I'm going to act on that. Now, the Scripture says that as Paul was preaching, it says he had a perception. It's the same perception that when they took him captive as a prisoner about to get on this boat, he perceived that this voyage would, would, would be with much hurt and damage, not only for the cargo of the ship, but our very lives also. And the captain of the ship treated him like, who do you think you are? Because when they started out, everything was sunny, the sun was out, the beach looked good. Everybody's catching rays on the beach. You know, it, from the natural, everything looked real good, but there was a hurricane out there, okay? But the Bible says Paul perceived. That didn't say he had a vision. It didn't say he had a dream. He had a perception. Say perception. perception. Now, God's leadings are not always spectacular, but they are supernatural. Okay? There are, they're, they're all supernatural. Now, we're, sometimes we think, you know, that sometimes if we read the Bible, we think, man, an angel appeared to the disciples every morning and told them what to do, but that's not the case. It might have happened one time in their life, you know. But, but you know, Paul would make statements like this throughout the book of Acts. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Ghost that we should go into this particular region and preach the gospel. Now, that doesn't sound real spiritual, but he said, it just seemed good to us and to the Holy Ghost. In other words, our spirits bore witness that we're supposed to do this particular thing. Now, the inward witness is the most prominent way. When Jesus Christ appeared to Kenneth E. Hagin in 1959 in El Paso, Texas, in the book called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, and he taught him and showed him and ultimately taught the body of Christ how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself came into his hospital room and, and told him some things. He said, the number one way that I'll lead all my children is by the inward witness. Inward witness. Say inward witness. Now, a lot of times we're looking for a spectacular, a vision, a dream, you know, because we hear about that, you know. Now, God can lead that way. Don't get me wrong. But more often than not, it's just the inward witness. And, and, and the, the Lord showed him a situation. He had uh, a opportunity to, a guy had written, his was when he's back before Raymond started and all that. He was in the traveling ministry. And I like this illustration because he, he had uh, received an invitation from a very large church to come and minister, you know, and, and so forth. And uh, uh, he uh, got another invitation from a, a smaller church. And every time that he would go to... Uh, uh, make the choice to go to this one church. He said he had this like, he'd get the letter and he would throw it in the waste paper. And the Lord showed him in this vision when he was there. He said, the reason that you uh, took that paper and tore it up and threw it in the trash basket is because that was the inward witness said, don't go to that church. Okay. But he said, there was a smaller church that made an invitation. He said, and I'm telling you, he says, I'm not going to lead you anymore by this supernatural way. He goes, I'm telling you, go to that church, the small church. All right? And, uh, and, and that was it. And he never led him that way again. And he was just showing him how that 
the inward witness was showing him in one particular place, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to go there. Okay? He said it was something scratching you sort of on the inside. Like, doesn't, does anybody ever had that happen to you before, you know? And um, Brother Dan talked about that this morning in, in his message, you know, about being led by the Spirit in connection with faith, you know. And, uh, but here in this situation right here, this man... Uh, maybe this is the first time, I, I tend to believe it's the first time he had ever heard the gospel. Now, make no mistake about it. When we hear the, the word gospel, we think only salvation, like saved from your sins. That's part of it, but that's not the entirety of it. That's just a piece of the pie. There's no way that this guy here that was crippled in Acts 14 would ever have faith to be healed if Paul hadn't been talking about healing. Correct? Paul perceived. He had a perception. That's what we were talking about. He looked out and he saw the guy and, and, you know, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if people are getting it or not. You know what I'm saying? I can look at people's faces sometimes and say, they're they're getting that. You know what I mean? Or if somebody's bored, they're looking at their watch, you know, and yawning all the time and, you know what I mean, not paying attention. Okay? But if, you know, if someone's grabbing a hold of something, they're, they're, their face is going to light up. There's going to be something there. He was paying attention. Okay? He wasn't surfing the internet. <laughs> okay? <laughs> he wasn't texting somebody. You know what I'm saying. We know it wasn't back then. But what I'm saying is his full attention was on what Paul was saying. And he obviously heard some things that raised his expectation. He's thinking, he's sitting there. He's like, you, you mean to tell me I can be healed? And he said, faith started coming. Now, here's the thing about this situation is that this man had faith to be healed, but he's still sitting there crippled. It says Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Do you see that right there? Verse 9 says, And the, Paul, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceived that he had faith to be healed. Now, nothing's happened yet, but he, got, he had faith. He had faith. Now, you can't have faith for something that you don't know about. All right? Now, for example, I, I did this actually once, but as an example, in our first church that we pastored years and years ago, um, I had taped $1 bills on the bottom of every chair. Okay? We just had maybe 15, 20 chairs that were in this room, you know? And... Uh, and nobody knew about it because I got in there before the service and got my scotch tape out and put, you know, $1 bills on the bottom of every seat, you know. And I, and I was using the illustration that you can have something, but if you don't know it, you can't even act upon it. And so I shared that with them, and all of a sudden everybody got up and pulled the seats up and ripped off the dollar bills, even ones they weren't sitting in. Okay? Say, man, we never went to a church where they gave us money. You know what I'm saying? So you cannot, once I, once I communicated with the people in, that, in those chairs, I said, then they had faith to lift the chair up and rip it off. Now they're $1 richer. Are you with me now? Okay, but it was true all along, but they, they didn't know it until I said something. So faith came when I said that. Knowledge came and they were like, the light bulb came on. They said, okay, we can act on that. Okay, we had a lot of fun. Amen. And by the way, there's $100 bills on the bottoms of your seat. 
Amen. They might happen sometime. You just wait and see. Amen. I love to give. I'll tell you that right now. If God puts me in a position to do it, I shall do it. Amen. Listen, if God put me in a position, I'd pay everybody's debts off right now. <laughs> I would. So bring your mortgages, bring your car payment. Let's just pay them off right now. Amen. So this man had heard something that uh, put an expectation on the inside of him. And Paul perceived that he had faith to, to be healed. But then Paul went one step further. He goes, stand upright on thy feet. Now, he didn't even stop to think about it. He goes, I, I don't know, but I, I, I haven't been able to walk since my mother's womb. He didn't argue with him. He just, whatever he did, he just kind of made an effort, maybe used his arms, and all of a sudden, boom, strength came into his legs and ankle bones and so forth. And uh, I, I mean to tell you, there was, there was tremendous, it says he leaped and he walked. Do you think he was sad? Do you think he was depressed? Do you think he would get up and say, Well, the Lord touched me today. Bless his holy name. You know, I hear some people testify on TV. I'm like, did they really get something or what here? Because if, I, if, I, if they had what they said they had and they got healed, I would be like, oh, <laughs> I would be by beside myself. Do you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You ever see that? Yeah, I had this disease for 35 years and I was healed tonight. Praise his holy name. This man leaped and he walked. Make no mistake about it. How'd you like to be there and watch that happen? Amen. Well, here's the thing this is not just a history lesson. We know that this happened in the book of Acts in chapter 14, you know, and for all you theological people, you know, remember this, you know. This actually happened to spark faith in you and me today because the same gospel that he heard is the same gospel that we hear today. We just have to act on it. You know, it's kind of like the guy that was sitting at the gate, beautiful in Jerusalem, remember that? He was sitting there begging alms, right? Remember that? And Peter and John looked on them and he was expecting to receive something from them because obviously people had given them money, you know. He was, you know, in a situation like this. And there again, he couldn't walk, right? And uh, Peter and John said, look, we don't have silver. He was expecting to receive something like silver and gold or money, right? Peter and John said, look on us. He goes, we don't have any silver and gold on us. Our wives have that. He says, but such as we have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he reached down and he grabbed them, pulled them up and he began to, he leaped and he walked and he shouted and he went into the temple of God, praising God. Man, it made no small stir. I'm telling you, everybody found out about it. That's one that they started persecuting. They told them, you're not going to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Just shut your mouth, you know. Well, they went on to say, you know, it's better that we obey God than man. Remember that? So, uh, he was begging for alms and he got legs. <laughs> it's a loose interpretation. Huh? <laughs> but, you know, he was expecting to receive something. Are you expecting to receive something? I tell people all the time, I said, you know, we're, we're in church. Thank God you made a choice to come to church today. You know what I'm saying? You made a smart choice to come here today. I'm telling you. 
There's some good meals being provided here today to minister to your spirit. That's the most important part of any church. Let me tell you something right now. You can have all the bells and all the whistles, but if you don't have the Word of God, you have nothing. If you don't have the anointing, you have nothing. Okay? But when you make a choice to sit and, and make a demand on the gift of God, like when Pastor Lynn and I, from time to time, we'll go to seminars, and you know, we still do that to, to go get fed spiritually. You know, We put out a lot all the time. Now, we feed ourselves all the time during the week. We pray and we study the Word of God. But, you know, there are certain occasions where we, we need to go and get under some anointings that, that will enhance what we're doing and feed us and minister to us, you know. But it never fails that any time that we've, we've gone somewhere, we put our faith out. I mean, we, we pray together. We stand in faith. And we say, now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go, before we go to this meeting, we might be driving on the way or whatever, you know, we'll say, we are putting our faith out right now that we are going to receive everything that we want to sit under that man of God or that woman of God. Hallelujah. And it's not haphazard. It's not like just showing up. Now, that's part of it. You have to show up first, right? That's part of it. But the second part is even more important that you show up with a ready mind, a ready attitude, an open heart, an open spirit, like expecting. That's right. You're coming, you're expecting to receive. And this has happened so many times to me through the years. I can't even count. I lost track. But I remember Brother Hagen, my spiritual father, you know, and being under his ministry. God put me under his ministry, my wife and I, you know. And, and oh, there were so many times where he would get off, you know, he called them little rabbit trails, okay? And he would, and sometimes he would come down and stand like right in front of me, okay? This would even happen when we were in Bible school, you know? And he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel led to say this. And he would be sharing something that had to do with something that I was dealing with at the moment, okay? And I was like, Whew. Brother Copeland, the same thing. You know, these are ministers that are proven ministries that know the Holy Ghost, that know the Word of God. No wonder the devil wants to persecute them. You know what I'm saying? Try to discredit them. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you what, it's, it, it's so worth it, praise God, because the, the, the anointing is what changes us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, this, now, we're talking about getting your expectations up, you know. I wrote down here, and I heard somebody else say this, you may not get what you want in life, but you will always get what you expect. A lot of people want something, but they don't expect it. Are you expecting today? We talk about moms that are expecting. Well, expecting what? They're going to have a child. Now, they might be one month pregnant. You can't notice, see any difference. But let me, you see, you wait another month, another two months, three months, I'll start. There's evidence of something's happening. They're expecting. And you and I, for lack of better terms, we can become expectant and pregnant with the Word of God. You know? Think about, how many of you here have heard of the Virgin Mary before? You former Catholics, right? You know, Mary called Jesus her Savior. She needed saved too. She says, my Lord, my Savior, Right? But you know, this, when it all began, you know, that Gabriel appeared to her, startling situation that appeared to her, and 
and told her, here's what's going to take place, you know, and so forth and so on, and you're going to have a son, and it's not going to be through the seed of a man, you know. And because uh, he said, you're going you're to bear a son who be called the Son of God. She said this, she said in Luke's Gospel, she says, how can this thing be seeing I know not a man? Now that's a legit thing, isn't it? She's saying, Mary is saying, uh, I know that you said I'm going to have a child, but it's not going to be with a man. So he, she said this, she says, how can this be seeing I know not a man? So in other words, how can I become pregnant without the aid of a man? Okay? Everybody gets that, right? <laughs> okay. That's not, uh, you know, college stuff there, right? And uh, the angel said this to her. The whole, here's the answer to her question. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Whew. She had a question. Looked impossible. The answer to her question was the Holy Ghost. Say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Okay. What's the answer to you and me and our problems? The Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, when you know the Holy Ghost, when you know what He can do, there's nothing He can't do. Every time someone gets healed, Holy Ghost. Every time someone gets delivered, Holy Ghost. Every time someone gets born again, Holy Ghost. Because no man can even go to Him unless the Holy Ghost draws them. Right? And so that same Spirit that was in Jesus is here today. There's not twins, duplicates. The Holy Ghost is the same. If the same Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal death-doomed body by His Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. Okay? So I have within me, you have within you, the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, that dwelt in Jesus, dwelt in the apostles. Amen? One time I was in a meeting many, many years ago, and it was one of these meetings where, you know, like, there was like Oral Roberts there, Kenneth Hagin was there, Brother Copeland was there, Charles Capps was there, all these different men on the platform and stuff like that, you know. And, uh, you know, as a young believer, I was just in Bible school, I was like in John Osteen, I was like, oh man, you know. And, and no, I didn't hear it in an audible voice. I didn't hear it with these ears here that I can hear you with when we talk. But I, the Lord knew I was thinking about that. I thought, I felt kind of like inferior to these guys, <laughs> okay? As a young believer, I was in my early 20s. And the Lord spoke to my heart, not in an audible voice, but just in here. He said this, he said, Keith, he goes, you have the same Holy Spirit, access to the Holy Spirit that they do, and you have the same Bible that they have. Now go to it. Because somehow I felt I was missing something in my life. You know what I'm saying? Now I needed to grow and stuff, of course. But early on in my life, in my early 20s, the Lord showed me when I was there in Bible school that you have the same Spirit, Holy Spirit. You have the same Bible that they have. Now, they've learned to apply themselves with the Holy Ghost and with they've learned how to pray in the Spirit, you know, take authority, use the Word of God, you know. And so I began to realize, you know, they did their due diligence, okay? And, uh, and speaking the Word and praying in the Spirit and taking time, amen? So many times, you know, let me tell you something. When you pray, especially when you pray in the Spirit, the devil's going to tell you, you're wasting your time. 
Anybody ever that happened to you before? Or the devil said, that's just you, say, making those, gib those gibberish words. But let me tell you something. The devil's a liar. Okay? And the Word of God tells us that when we're praying in the Spirit, we're not talking to men. We're talking to God. God. Okay? And it says we also, we build up ourselves. We edify ourselves. So whether I have a feeling or not, most of the time when I pray in the Spirit, you know, for one or two hours a day, I don't, I don't, uh, a lot of times I don't feel anything. But I know well enough that if you keep doing the right thing, you're going to get the right results. Because here's the, here's the reality. Um, Romans chapter 8 says, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray for things that our minds don't know about in Romans chapter 8. And that's the scripture that says that all things work together for good for those that love God, for them that are called according to His purpose. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Paul, Paul was not talking about, you know, car accidents working out for the good. and all. He, he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about when you pray in the Spirit, in context, when you pray in the Holy Ghost language, that the Holy Spirit is using your mouth and you're praying the perfect will of God. And then when, So when you pray in the Spirit... You're praying the perfect will of God. You cannot make a mistake. Isn't that wonderful? Now Paul the Apostle took on whole churches of thousands of people. He didn't know them all by name. He would be praying for the church at Colossae, the church at Philippi. I mean God only knows there was thousands of people and now he did not know them by name. Sometimes we think, well, if I don't know them by name, is it really going to be effective? Paul prayed for the entire church. Okay? But Paul said this. He says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> Sounds like he's from Alabama or something. I pray in tongues more than you all. Okay? But see, he had revelation. God gave him revelation of, of when you yield your tongue to the Holy Ghost and you pray in the Spirit, that that's the most intelligent way that you can possibly pray because it's not coming from your understanding. It's coming from the Holy Ghost in you. He's providing you the word, the syllables, that you can pray for other people without having full knowledge of what's going on. Paul didn't know every situation with every person in those churches. Now, even in my case, you know, like me praying for, I, I pray for a bunch of people. I pray for everybody in this church, okay? But here's the thing. I may not know unless you tell me or unless the Lord shows me what's normally is not the case because he respects your own business, right? And uh, very seldom does he show me anything personally about somebody, but if he does, you know, then there's some, maybe he wants me to minister to them in that particular area. But more often than not, I take the time to pray in the Spirit. And I'll, I'll say, Father, now I'll pray scriptures, right? I'll pray all these individual scriptures in the New Testament. And then I'll pray Psalm 91, Psalm 23, Psalm 103, Isaiah 54. Okay, with a, it takes me about 20 minutes to pray that, all those scriptures. And I pray those scriptures over people, over you guys, all right? And that's the way the Lord's led me to do that. But then I'll say, no, Lord, and just in case there's something that my mentality, that I'm not aware of of somebody in the church, that they're going through something and they need some prayer in a particular area, I'm going to yield my tongue right now to the Holy Ghost to pray for the people right now in the church, CFC, and... Uh, so I opened my mouth and I said, hello, Holy Ghost, let's just go for this right now. Amen? And sometimes that'll go on for several minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes more than that. And just 
till you get a note of victory inside your heart that you're praying for people. Okay? Now, most of the time, I'm not even aware of what I'm even saying. I know that I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit, but I don't need to know what I'm saying unless God shows me. But the bottom line is this. I want to make sure I'm praying in line with God's Word when it comes to praying for you all. Okay? That's really important, isn't it? So, wrapping this up here today, God wants us to have an expectation of good happening. I'll say it like this. Sometimes in life we go through some stuff. Everybody say stuff. (laughs) Go through some stuff. And sometimes that stuff kind of lingers and Oh, here we go again, you know, and it's just another week, another month, another year, you know, the same kind of stuff that I'm dealing with, you know, and sometimes we can start, I've, I've had this happen to me too, okay, and sometimes you just need to sh- shake yourself and say, no, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, what, just a minute here, that's not my lot in life, that's not the will of God, I, this, what I'm going through now, that is not the will of God, so I'm not going to succumb to this, I'm not going to give in to this. Anybody tries to put pressure, I am, I'm going to stand up against that on all fours. I'm standing up, you know what I mean? And, uh, and the Holy Spirit will reinforce you. He will strengthen you, okay? And that's why, and we talk a lot about this at the church. You know, some churches are embarrassed to talk about the Holy Spirit and His ministry. Shame on them. Are you kidding me? God gave the gift of the Spirit to the church for us to benefit from his ministry, not to just put it on a shelf up there and say, well, you know, <laughs> I used to believe that, but now let me tell you something. We have to believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he's the act of Godhead in the member in the earth today, right? Mm-hmm. He's in you, he's in us, he's here, and he wants us to learn how to flow with him, okay? And one of the biggest ways that we can learn. I, I sensed that this morning, a big time, when we were worshiping here, we could have kept going. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We just ran out of tape. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not always going to be the case. Okay? It'll be great when God sends us, and I believe He's dealing with that, the right worship leader that knows how to worship. Not a performer, but somebody that can skillfully play before the Lord and worship Him and lead people into the things of God. Right? So, uh, we need to have an expectation. I'm going to close with this scripture here. Go over to Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, he's an amazing character. I'll tell you, I just love the Apostle Paul, you know. He's a... Sometimes kids, you know, they plaster big posters on their wall and they got some hero, you know, some, some figure on their wall or something like that, you know, Superman, whatever. There's all kind of people out there I'm not even aware of, okay? And uh, my hero is the Apostle Paul. There's something about that man's ministry. We're to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And uh, when I was a kid, my parents got me this... Uh, it was a blow-up. Eh, it was about this tall, and it was like this. Uh, what would you call it? I don't know. Was it, what would they, what'd they call this thing? Yeah, it was like a. I don't even know what it was. I can't remember. It was a thing that you blow up, and the bottom had sand in it. Okay. Yeah. And my parents, when I was a young kid, I, re- I remember they they bought me one of those things, and 
I never even saw one of those before. My, my dad pumped it up, you know, and, and he sat it there. He goes, now go over and hit it, son. <laughs> Good way to take out your frustrations. Bam! You know? And I'll tell you, that, that goofy-looking clown, I think it was, you know, had that goofy sm- the smile on his face, you know, and as hard as you hit that thing, it would go down and bounce back up, and it would still be there. You know what I'm saying? You ever have those toys before? Bam, bam, bam. And every time I'd hit that, that thing, that thing would bounce right back up, okay, with the same look on his face. And I thought, that's like the Apostle Paul. He could be beaten with rods, shipwrecked, stoned, not drunk, but rocks thrown at him. And all this stuff, beaten with rods and beaten with uh, uh, cat of nine tails three times. I mean, the guy, he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, folks, he didn't have tattoos. He had scars. Okay? said, here comes the Apostle Paul. How do you know? Look at his body. He says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but you know, Paul was such an optimist. He just believed that with God in him, he, he could not fail no matter what he faced. He was fearless. We can follow someone like that, you know? And here the Apostle Paul, you might say that he was in prison, but the prison wasn't in him. Okay? Now, he wasn't thrown in prison for dealing drugs. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. He was being persecuted. So he's in prison here in, the, in Philippi, and it says in Uh, Philippians chapter 1, let's pick up in verse 12. So we're talking about having a positive expectation. I love this scripture. This is so good. Verse 12 says, But I would that you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather for the furtherance of the gospel. Now he's writing this from prison. So that in my bonds in Christ are manifest in all palace and in other places. In other words, in prison. 14 says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, now there's other Christians that are in jail, are waxing confident in my bonds and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So not only was the Apostle Paul in jail, there were other Christians that were in jail for preaching the gospel as well. But Paul's example before them while in prison emboldened them That if Paul could do this and if Paul could have a positive attitude and Paul wasn't licking his wounds, then they could do the same thing. How many of you know your influence can help other people? You can lift them up. Amen? And he says, uh, verse 15, he says, Now some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and, and some also of goodwill. In other words, some people have an impure motive. Verse 16, The one preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely supposing to add to my afflictions to the bonds. The other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. What then, now standing every way, whether in pretense or in truth, uh, Christ is preached, and I do therein rejoice, yea, I will rejoice. Now, isn't that something? Now, it's interesting. In the book of Philippians, it's not a, not a long book. How many chapters are there? There's four chapters in Philippians. But there's... Theological debates about, you know, Philippians and all this kind of stuff. But there's one word that's used 16 times in the book of Philippians, and it's the word joy or rejoice. Rejoice, joy, joy, rejoice. Okay? 
Paul was at, Paul and Silas were at that Philippian jail. Remember that? For preaching the gospel. Their backs were bleeding. They were whipped. Put hands and feet into, fast into the stalks, you know. And they were bleeding, you know. In Philippi. Now Paul's in prison in Philippi. And, and, uh, and he says, verse 18, he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, I will rejoice. Do you think he felt like rejoicing? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, your body has a voice, you know, and if you, if you were literally whipped, my God. The last thing you wanted, you'd be like, oh God, why am I in this mess right now? But they, re- they learned how to rejoice in the midst of all that. We can learn from that. Okay? And we have a rough day. We think that's rough, man. That's really rough there. Correct? I mean, when was the last time someone came and dragged you out and beat you up because you're a Christian? <laughs> now, some people deal with that in other countries. Don't get me wrong. Right? There are people that deal with that, especially in other countries of the world. And, um, and God's grace is there with those people that, that, that experience that. But here's the, the point I want to make is this. Paul says, I'm, I'm going to rejoice no matter what. So his attitude became contagious to the people that were in prison with him, that were in there for the same thing. Okay? And sometimes the spirit of faith is not taught, it's caught. It's more caught than it is taught. Rejoice! (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord once in a while. He said, no, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, if you didn't hear it the first time, the second time, he says, rejoice, keep on rejoicing. So 16 times in the book of of, uh, Philippians, he uses the word joy or rejoice. What's the Lord trying to say? Well, it's pretty, pretty wide open, isn't it? Get excited. Rejoice. Rejoice. When you don't feel like rejoicing, rejoice anyway. That's when you get doubly blessed. Do you know that? You, I'm telling you, some Christians, you look at them sometimes, not here. I mean, it's like it, it, it would take heaven and earth and an act of God to even them lift, even lift their hands to the Lord. It's like, how hard is it to lift your hands to Jesus who died for you? He was stretched out on a cross, completely naked, beaten, whipped, and hanged there in front of the world, and paid for the, our sins of the whole world. Man, the least thing I could do is lift my hands and say, Oh, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. It's so easy to look at all the different negative stuff that's going on, maybe in your family and your, your kids and your relatives or your job or lack of job or your husband or your wife or lack thereof. It's so easy to look at all the negative stuff in life. Just forget about all that stuff and just look to Jesus and say, I rejoice in you today, Lord. I do it by faith. Hallelujah. And you'd be surprised the rewards that will come to that. When you obey God, only when you feel like it, there's no real reward to that. But it's when you don't feel like praying and you pray anyway. When you don't feel like rejoicing and you rejoice anyway. That's when the true rewards pay up. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I made mention of the fact that years and years ago I had that 
golf ball size. I won't go into detailed um, growth that was on my wrist right here where my watch was, okay? And I, I, long story short, I went through all the motions and I cursed it, spoke to it, you know, did what I know to speak to it. The Bible says speak to the mountain, you know, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger on my wrist, this growth, you know. And, um, and my kids were a little bit younger then, of course. But nothing was happening. I even had a minister friend of mine, George Moss prayed over that. Remember that? And uh, some, some, he prayed over it, and I was doing what I knew to do, but nothing happened. All right? So I said, no, Lord, what do you want? how do you want me to handle this? I know that I did what your word says. I spoke to it and so forth. You know, but Lord, what do you want me to do about this? Now, I didn't feel led at that time to go to the doctor to get it checked out. I just didn't have a witness to do that at the time. Nothing wrong with that. But the Lord said this to me. He says, what you need to do, not in here, here, but I heard it in here. He said, what you need to do is start laughing because I didn't laugh at all, very seldom. I was a serious Christian. <laughs> I was so serious, I was no good for myself. <laughs> I forgot something. Oh, joy. <laughs> Amen. Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. When you walk in the love of God and you operate in the love of God, the second thing that shows up is joy. Because when you're walking in love and you're walking in the love of God and you receive His love, joy is the byproduct of that. And so I saw it. I said, He said, start laughing at that. Say, ha, ha, ha. And I heard Brother Hagin used to do that. So I said, oh, He can do it. I can do it. He said, start laughing. Because I did what I knew to do. And so I would drive down the road. Now, if you heard this story before, you're going to hear it again. Is that okay? Because the Holy Spirit's telling me to share this right now. You might need this again, okay? The Lord's delivered me from the fear of repetition. <laughs> okay? Because sometimes we need to hear some. Paul, Peter said, though you heard these things, I'm going to stir up your way, your minds by way of remembrance. I'm going to tell them to you again. So, I'm going down the street. I'm driving in my car. And I saw that thing, it's still big on my wrist, you know. And I looked at it, I was by myself in the car, and I'd say, ha, 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 ha. I didn't feel, nobody told a funny joke. I didn't watch a Three Stooges flick. There was nothing funny. That I did it by faith. Now listen to me. Ha, 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 ha. This went on for about a month or two. I saw no change whatsoever. So the Lord said, get excited. Laugh at it. Let joy run its course. Okay? Now, I'm no more spiritual than anybody else. You understand that? We're all in the same boat together. Okay? I still have feelings and, you know, doubts that come against me during that whole process, like everybody does. And I think it's important to say that sometimes because some people think, well, you're in the ministry. That's an easy thing for you. It just kind of flows with you. You know, that's not true. We still have to fight the good fight of faith like you wouldn't believe. There's times we've got to look to the Word of God on a daily basis and say, no, I don't believe that. I believe this. Okay? All the time. You never just, your faith doesn't take a nap. <laughs> okay? You've got to stay on it. Stay on it. Stay on it. And so... You know, I just kept doing what that's what the Lord told me to do. He didn't tell me to do anything else. So one night we're sitting on our, part, our, our bench. We had a, a little bench we had in our front yard. 
seat about four people, you know. Just an outdoor bench, right? So we're sitting there, the four of us. Kids are sitting there. It's getting dark. What a beautiful summer night. And I laid my hands. The kids didn't know this. My wife didn't know this. But I laid hands on myself right there in, the, uh, in that chair, in that bench. And under my breath, nobody knew what I was doing except God. I said, Lord, thank you that you healed me 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, no, I didn't, nobody else knew what I was doing except God. The Bible says if you have faith, have it before God, right? And I, I did that, and all of a sudden, now this thing's about the size of a golf ball, right? I got my hand resting on it like this. All of a sudden, it went, like a, it was like a balloon just popped. I'm like, that growth is completely gone. It's as flat as my other hand. So I told my family, I said, you guys want to see a miracle right now? Let's go in. We walked into the foyer of the house that we were in at that time, turned the light on. It was dark out. I said, look at there. I got my manifestation there. Praise the Lord. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Sister Kelly? <laughs> That's right there. Remember that. And uh, now I don't know how come that didn't, it, why did it happen like that? I don't, I don't know, but I, it doesn't matter. I'm not the one that brings the manifestation. My job is to believe God, trust God, speak the word, stay in faith, laugh at it, okay? My biggest problem, I think, and I have to remember that even to this day, that when I'm facing an obstacle like that, Satan always wants to give you the worst case scenario, and you're thinking, like, you're not going to get it. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't read the word enough. You haven't prayed long enough, you know? You're not as good as the guy down the street or that person in church, right? And the devil brings these lies to you, and they're all lies, okay? But that's, that's, the, that's the, the orders that I got from the Lord. The Lord's within my spirit. He said, laugh at this. Put on joy. So that's what I started to do. And then I started to worship, okay? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, that I was healed 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Now, initially, I kept looking at it. You know what I mean? You're like praying, then you're looking at it. Okay? Sometimes you just got to, you know what I'm saying? Consider not. Abraham considered not his own body. Well, Hebrew says we're to consider him. That's the word, Jesus. There's things that you don't consider or put stock in. Okay? You get a, a doctor's report, you know. That is not the Word of God. Amen. That's not final authority. Yeah, but Pastor Keith, you know, this guy's got PhDs as long as his arm, you know. I don't care. Post hole digger. I'm just kidding. We're not making fun of people who have educations at all. But what I'm saying is when it comes to Putting your stock in man. Man can let you down. Doctors can let you down. I know. I've been there. Believe me. I know what I'm talking about. I know when they wanted to operate on me and open my head up and, you know, cut through my skull and do surgery. You know, I had, those words were coming at me. But you know what? We have to consider the Word of God. The Word of the Lord is a sure foundation. Psalm 125 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which abides continually and will never be removed. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. 
You know, Pastor Keith, I never really thought about that. Yeah. Introspective. No, it's, it's time to put a big fat smile on your face and say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm going to start acting in faith and trying to be, quit being so intellectual. Your being intellectual will hinder your faith big time. Do you understand that? Your mind can get in the way. Oh, that's, I, you know, I don't know how else to say it. God's word says it. I believe it. That settles it. Ha, ha, ha. The devil says your kids are going to hell. You say, ha, 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 ha. They may not be serving God. Ha, 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 devil. You're a liar. Your husband will never be saved. You'll never walk with God. Ha, 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 ha. My wife will never be saved and serve God. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. For you see, saith the Lord, when you see things from my vantage point, nothing is impossible. Though you may look at it from the flesh, though you may look at it from the natural standpoint, and though your mind will say, this isn't going to work this time. Recognize this. My spirit is in you to help you do these very things that you've heard about this morning. I've not left you to your own devices. I've not left you to your own strength. For don't you know that I've said in my word, it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by my spirit that it shall be done and it shall be accomplished. So remember today that the greater one lives and abides and dwells on the inside of you. And he is there not just to take up residency, but to perform the greater works on your behalf. For did not I say in my word that if you believe on me, the works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father? And so the greater one, the mighty one, the powerful one, lives and dwells and abides on the inside of you. And when you acknowledge that, and you say that, and you believe that, then I will go to work on your behalf. And there'll be much cause for rejoicing because the hand of the flesh didn't move that mountain. It was my spirit in you that brought it to pass. So rejoice and be glad and get happy about my word. For my word has been sent as your support and as your foundation. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's praise Him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise your Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. 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 You know, over in Yellowstone National Park, now I've never been there before. They have a geyser there. It's called Old Faithful, I think. Has anybody ever been there before? You've heard about it before. And every, every so often, I don't know if they can predict when it's going to happen. Maybe they can. I don't know. But that thing will go off and, whoosh, and water shoot up 200 foot, 300 foot up in the air, you know, scalding hot water, you know. And nothing can stop that. You can put every, lay stuff on top of that, but it'll just blow it through the ceiling, you know what I'm saying? 
And that's kind of like the Holy Ghost on the inside. He's like a geyser on the inside of us. And there comes a point where he's like, whew, just, he has to come out somehow, amen? And that's what just happened right there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What's the, in conclusion here, what's the answer to your problems here today? Get so full of God that nothing can stand against, nothing can stand in your way. Get so full of the Word. Get so full of the Holy Ghost. Get so full of God. You know? Just keep pouring it on the inside of you and you're going to start to overflow. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his innermost being, his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. He talked, spake of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Praise the Lord. My God, I see a bunch of overcoming people in this church right now. Hallelujah. Dan, you got something there? Okay. Hallelujah. Pastor Lynn, you got something there? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Liam, you got something from the Lord? <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody got something from the Lord? You want to share it? Something just, something happened? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Sure. Let's do that. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment here. Show blasite supremo comprema la questa. Precious, precious, lovre Maria Cecilia Cra. Sobre de Cecilia la cran. Le fel balo rot cambre le gilaretto singra dal great gurus dan red gerigia shaya. Cristo, Cristo, Maragesha, Tobrene, sin aflia de lo gredish et le bocrasada. Precious, precious, precious. O Paraman Baka. La Bogla, Nebodi Keshoshe, Majokrisa de Sakaka. Simbo Coco, Hamamomo, Seberedi Kesisia la Cacasa. Praise your Lord. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you, Lord. Some of you are, some of you in this room right now, you're on the verge of the biggest breakthrough that you've ever had in your life. You're so close. You're so close to seeing true change. And that's why there's been so much pressure on you, especially over the last several weeks and, yeah, even months, the pressure to give up, the pressure to quit. But don't do it. Don't quit. Don't cast away your confidence. Hallelujah. There's great reward for those that stay steady, that stay strong, that stay faithful to God. And you'll be glad you waited. You'll be glad you prevailed. You'll be glad that you were patient. 
You'll be glad, you'll be so glad you didn't quit and give up, give it up, give it up. You'll be so glad. Hallelujah. The Lord just wants to encourage you with that this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is, is able to do things that man has never seen before. These people that we've just read about in the Bible maybe never saw ever anybody else receive these types of miracles. The guy that was crippled from his mother's womb probably never saw that before. Yet he found himself in a situation where God did something for him that he never saw before. First time. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sister Eleanor, do you got something? Okay. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.